Hey, welcome back to the morning show. I know it's been a while, but this is a real dry time in sports. You know, can you blame me? Let me tell you what we just had. MLB All-Star break. No NFL, no NBA, except the Summer League, which nobody really cares about. Uh, no hockey. We got Wimbledon. Nadal Federer, semifinals. That's going to be live. It's a shame no one else likes it, but... I mean, Nadal Federer semifinals in Wimbledon. Let me let me try to explain to you what that what the equivalent of Nadal Federer Federer is in another sport, just to give some context and people awareness. Let's bring awareness to this. Nadal and Federer matching up in a Grand Slam semifinal is almost like. It's really tough to do this comparison because it's an individual sport, but it would be like Michael Jordan and LeBron James in an Eastern Conference final facing up against each other. That's exactly what it would be like. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are the Jordan and LeBron of tennis, and they might even be bigger. Yes, I said it. These guys might even be more dominant. So it would be like this. This is better. It would be like Tiger Woods versus Jack in his prime. Imagine that in a one-on-one, you know, like a playoff, a playoff hole or a couple playoff holes. Tiger versus Jack in their primes, basically. Because Nadal and Federer haven't left their prime. Their prime doesn't expire, really. I don't know when their prime's going to expire. They, they might be able to do this thing forever. So the magnitude of Federer and Nadal is... It's massive. It's like a 9.7 earthquake. If that were to hit LA, LA would crumble. It would be like that movie San Andreas. That's what Nadal and Federer is like. A freaking 9.7 hit in LA. But it's a shame. Nobody, you know, nobody, it doesn't get the play that it should. Nadal Federer needs to get as much play as anything in this world. It's massive. So I really appreciate the game. I appreciate this rivalry and greatness. I mean, these are two of the best to ever do it in any sport, ever. Special time, really special time. It's going to be really terrible once they retire. I'm telling you, tennis is going to be hurt once Nadal and Federer go. Because nobody really cares after that. Same thing with the women's and Serena. Like, now that she's kind of tailing off and and she's kind of going to ride off into the sunset, because she's pretty much, she's going to be done soon. She should be, anyway. Like, people watch for Serena Williams. I don't know who's going to replace her. Maybe Coco? This Coco girl? She's 15? I don't know. Maybe. But is anyone going to do it like Serena? And no one's going to do it like Nadal and Federer. No, no, people don't understand how good Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are. These guys are wizards. Like, I just don't... I don't see anybody else coming up who's going to be a wizard like these two men. You gotta watch them play tennis. Like what they what they do to these tennis balls, it's like they defy gravity. It's 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 absolutely insane. So I believe that's today. Hopefully I'll get to watch it. I, I think it's at night. I'll have to DVR that because 
These guys are just a treat to watch. Even if you're not a tennis fan, just turn it on. You'll appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I took a little break. And something went down yesterday. Big time NBA trade. Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul and a couple picks. Just straight up. So Chris Paul goes from Houston to OKC. Russell Westbrook joins his old running mate, James Harden, in Houston. This is an epic disaster for the Rockets. It's a disaster. We're talking about two of the biggest ball hogs in the game. Two of the most ball-dominant players in the game of basketball. These players have changed so much since 2012. For starters, James Harden's not coming off the bench anymore. If you remember, in 2012, he was a six-man-of-the-year candidate, or he might have won the award. I forget which one. But he was six-man. He was coming off the bench. He's no longer coming off the bench. He's a focal point in the franchise. And the ball almost never leaves his hand. And the same can be said about Russell Westbrook. Now, he's always been a starter, but he's always kind of had Kevin Durant, especially back in 2012, to defer to. Which a lot of people say that he should have deferred to Kevin more. But besides the point, he's such a ball-dominant player, they don't match up. These guys can't play together. They don't have Kevin Durant as a three, as a third. It's going to be, it's not a good thing, but is it better than Chris Paul? Yeah, it is at this point. Chris Paul's done. Chris Paul is a shell of himself. Chris Paul, unfortunately, he's not, he's not a very good basketball player anymore. You know, some guys... Some guys get to retire from the NBA on their own terms, meaning they they retire from the game and they're still really good at it. You know, they leave on their own terms. A lot of the greats do that. A lot of the greats can do that. They ride off into the sunset. But a lot of the greats, unfortunately... Retire because of father time. And they fall off a cliff. And it it feels like it happens overnight. Right? Two players that this is happening to. Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul. These guys almost lost their talent overnight. Like they... Not that they lost their talent, but they lost the ability to make a difference in the NBA like you put these guys in the big three the big three league they dominate absolutely dominate play them overseas in China in Europe they dominate of course they would can't argue that but they're not they can't do it in the NBA anymore people might say I'm premature on Chris Paul you know losing it I don't think so I think CP3 is done. I think his body is is letting him down. Same with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and that's a guy that prided himself on defense and and toughness, right? He and he's he's kind of out of shape now, and he's slow. 
He reminds me of like Raymond Felton now in his prime. <laughs> it says a lot about Raymond Felton, doesn't it? But yeah, these two guys just kind of fell off a cliff and, you know, they're not going to get to choose when they want to end it. That will be chosen for them. See, other guys that get to choose, you know, when they want it to go. Guys like Barry Sanders. I mean, guys like LeBron James. He's going to go out, you know, whenever he wants. He's still, he's going to go out as one of the best to ever do it. Jordan went out a couple times on top of the game. You know, he was, he was a top player in the NBA when he decided to call it quits, even at like 36 years old or whatever it was. He did it a couple times. Twice, I believe, he retired on top of the game. I mean, you could look at Kobe. He, he popped his Achilles. It's a little different story with Kobe. You know, his, his skills didn't really diminish, but his body kind of let him down. But at the same time, he still could have, if he wanted to, he still could have played at a high level. If he really wanted to, but I don't think he wanted to anymore. I don't think he wanted to endure any more major injuries, which is understandable, you know. But he was still one of the best scorers in the league when he called it quits. You know, he got to pick when he wanted to go. He didn't really get, you know, forced out. So it's rare that an athlete gets to call his own shots on when he retires, but it does happen. Every now and every now and then it does happen. Um, I mean, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl his last season. Was it thanks to him? No, it wasn't thanks to him. But you know, he he was at the top when he called it quits. But he had major injury too, so that that's another tricky one. But the point is, some guys can leave on their own terms, and some guys get forced out. Chris Paul and Carmelo are getting forced out. So Chris Paul doesn't really bring much to a team anymore. Westbrook brings a lot more to a a team than Chris Paul. But it's all about fit in the NBA. Because there's five players on the court at one time. So two guys. I mean, do the math. It's 40% of the team right there. So almost half your team are two guys that really... They don't play well together. They're both going to be demanding the ball. Russell is just very inefficient as he as he gets later on into his career. He's very inefficient. Uh, he shoots a lot for a guy that doesn't have a good shot. That's not, you know, you don't really want that. We'll see how they play together. You know, if Westbrook and Paul George couldn't get it done, can James Harden and Westbrook get it done? Or can Westbrook and anybody get it done? <laughs> I, I'm definitely... I question that. So that was a massive trade that happened yesterday. Um, but then again, it's really not that massive. I mean, the story in the NBA now is all about the duos. You know, it's getting... It's hard to put together the 3-4 anymore. Like, like the Cavs had with Kyrie, LeBron, and Love. Or like the Warriors had for a while with Durant, Curry, Clay, and Draymond. A lot has to go right in the NBA nowadays for you to have three or even four of the best players in the league. 
a lot of things have to go right. Obviously, the salary cap has to be right. Um, you know, you have to you have to almost draft one or two of those guys for it to be right as well. I mean, that's the only way it happened in Cleveland. Kyrie was drafted, or else that big three probably would never have happened. And the only way Kyrie was drafted is because LeBron left, right? So it's all kind of intertwined. Golden State, that big four doesn't happen if if they don't draft three of those guys, right? So, so in today's NBA landscape, it's very realistic to get a big two. And you know, I think that's what Adam Silver want wants. I think that's what he wanted. I don't think he wanted the big three, big four anymore. Even though it's possible. It handicaps the rest of your team. Like, if you have three Supermax, not Supermax, but three Max players on one NBA team, that doesn't leave room for the rest of your team. And the Lakers could have done it with LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. That could have happened. But then they wouldn't have been able to sign the rest of the guys that they did. Not saying that those guys are really any any like really good players but you need you need more than you need kind of a bench you know you can't you need role players if you have three superstars you need like two or three players besides those three nba season's grueling i think people forget that um even the warriors you know they had you know, guys were taking pay cuts to make it work. There was exemptions, pay cuts. You know, they were over the salary cap. Uh, they ended up paying a ton in, in tax. I guess it's luxury tax in the NBA. They have their own thing. It's very expensive what the Warriors just did. And at the same time, obviously, it couldn't last. Look at what just happened. I mean, the injuries, you know, obviously they happened. But you need a lot of guys to take pay cuts for a big three slash four in the NBA. Like, the rest of your role players have to be on mid-level exceptions and veteran minimums it's hard it's tough it's not easy to to construct a team like that so this big this duo the duo stuff that's happening that might be the new thing in the nba and i think it's great for the nba really good for the nba let's let's look at the duos we have right now obviously lebron and ad in la a new one in la the clippers Kawhi leonard and paul george It's it's a good duo it's a nice duo what else do we got? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. It's a duo. It's a nice duo. Uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Pretty good duo. Pretty good duo out there in Houston. I'm sure there's other duos out there that I'm missing. I just saw a picture of it. There was like five or six duos in the NBA that are pretty legitimate. I mean, you got Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons. It's a pretty darn good duo. Pretty young, pretty young, pretty good duo. And then what's going on with the Heat? Jimmy Butler, Whiteside. Whiteside might have got traded. The NBA is so hard to keep up with. I know Jimmy Butler's down in Miami now. And uh, Miami has interest in Chris Paul. But again, what does that do? I mean, Miami's kind of left with the scraps, if we're being honest about it. You know, they don't really, ever since LeBron left Miami, they've kind of been struggling to keep it afloat. 
Just shows you what LeBron does when he leaves teams. He leaves them in shambles. Destroys teams after they go. Like the Lakers are going to be destroyed after after he leaves. Because maybe it'll be Anthony Davis's team, right? Maybe. But maybe he sees the writing on the wall and he's like, who else is on this squad? Who who else? It's gonna be me. It's gonna be me on the Pelicans again. Essentially. So what's happening in the NBA is interesting and something to keep an eye on. Duos are being formed not only in the big cities but everywhere across America because the money's the same. The money's all the same in the NBA now. You can you can play anywhere you want, get paid the same amount that you would in LA, New York. You know, the marketing opportunities exist everywhere. You can have a marketing opportunity in Alaska. If you really wanted, they just have to get a team up there. So NBA is is the league of duos now and it's really good for the NBA. Really the best thing that happened, you know, this is messed up, but the best thing that ever happened to the NBA was when Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson got injured. It was the best thing that could have happened to the NBA. It opened up new doors, new competition. You know, there's no more monopoly over the league. The dynasty's over. And now Steph Curry can continue to get exposed for having zero NBA Finals MVPs. And he'll never get one. Steph and Curry will never get an NBA Finals MVP. That, you know, that's a big deal. You can't compare this guy to any great of all time. He's, a, he's the greatest shooter of all time. And that's where it ends. The greatest shooter of all time. And then there's no more descriptive words left for Steph Curry. Yanks back at it. They've been linked to a few different pitchers now over the break. Trevor Bauer. Although I don't know if Cleveland's going to be selling. They're playing pretty good baseball going into the All-Star break. I don't know if Cleveland's going to sell. Madison Bumgarner. Obviously, Scherzer's not going anywhere. Unfortunately, that was our best option. Washington is back in it. You know, they got a pretty good hold on the wild card. So I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of options for the Yankees. I don't want Stroman. He's going to be available. I definitely don't want him. (sighs) Boyd from Detroit. I mean, all these guys, they're not difference makers. Bumgarner. Probably he's a difference maker, uh, but you need to you got to give up a lot for him, and he's not exactly dominant. Let's let's call it what it is. Madison Bumgarner is not a dominant pitcher. I'm I'm in the the camp where if we can't get a dominant pitcher, and it looks like we're not going to be able to, I don't really want to trade for one. You know the Yankees window is open for a World Series for a few years. You know, it's not this year a bust for the World Series. They got a few-year window. Listen, Garrett Cole might hit for agency next year. I'm not saying we bank on that, but if he does, then you sign him instantly. You overpay for him because you have to because you put yourself in this position, and you steal Garrett Cole from the Astros, and the Astros will never be a problem for you again. 
I'm not afraid of ju- just Justin Verlander. I'm afraid of Verlander and Cole because they can win a series single-handedly. You can throw those two guys out there two times in a seven, best of seven, if need be. Three days rest for both of them. And they're going to mow you down. And that's what's going to happen to the Yankees. If we see them in the ALCS and we don't have another dominant starter, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are going to dominate the Yankees. You can book it. You can look back on this episode. It's just, it is what it is. The only way it doesn't happen is if the Yankees get Luis Severino back and he's dominant himself. If the Yankees get Luis Severino back and he's dominant, then you can rock with Severino and Tanaka. And Tanaka's really good in the playoffs. He's very good in the playoffs. But obviously the key is Luis Severino in the playoffs. So they're going to get a starter. I don't, you know, I don't know what they can do. I don't know what Cashman has dialed up, but he's going to need to pull something from his sleeve. Unfortunately, Davy 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 Devi Garcia the Yankee stud pitching prospect. Essentially, he's another Severino, just with a better curveball. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. Um, He's not going to be ready for the MLB. They talk about how he might be able to come out of the bullpen in September, but, yeah, that's that's cool. You know, that, that could help us. But that doesn't help the starter situation. Maybe next year... He helps the starting situation. He probably does. Really excited for the kid. But, you know, focused on this year, there's not much they can do. They're just going to have to out-hit people and and hope that they get a dominant Severino back because then, you know, you have a potential two big-time pitchers in Severino and Tanaka. And Tanaka was an all-star this year, you know? Let's give him credit where credit's due. He's been one of the better pitchers in the American League. Of course, he has a start where he just doesn't have it. A start or two where he's just not, you know, splitter's not splitting. That's kind (laughs) of just stays in the middle of the zone. That happens to him sometimes. But, you know, he's not Justin Verlander. He's not an ace, but he's a good number two. He's a good number two on most baseball teams. Not the Astros, though. So we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, put, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on the situation. Um, trade deadline two weeks from now, two and a half weeks from now. So they got to make some moves. They got to get a pitcher. I don't know who they're going to get. But we'll see. Have a good weekend, everybody.